Hello and welcome to Produce Talks, the CPMA podcast. I am your host and CPMA Education Manager, Jason Gorley. Before we get started, just to make sure that you don't miss an episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It's also a great place to leave a rating or review to help other people find the podcast. Rather than me tell you all about the Produce Essentials credential and how it came together and why I think it's a great thing for the industry, I wanted to touch base with some of the people that helped us make it. So I'm on the phone with Stephanie, and Stephanie, can you introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm Stephanie LaRiviere. I'm the Regulatory Affairs Manager for Erie James Limited in Leamington. And so, Stephanie, how were you involved with the creation of the Produce Essentials Program? I actually volunteered to review the food safety module and to assist with my knowledge of both the regulatory language and ever-changing regulatory landscape surrounding the upcoming food safety modernization. And, and why did you choose to get involved with us? Like when I reached out to you as part of uh, our outreach for the project, you volunteered right away. I felt compelled to be involved in this amazing tool that it'll not only educate, but also going to advocate for a stronger, safer supply chain across the whole produce industry. How, how does it help make that happen? Well, I think that there's a large benefit for both industry and individual because when we know better, we do better. And CPMA has created a common standard of knowledge that industry can trust because it was developed in collaboration with experts in our industry. Um, The program's available at any stage in your career, and it provides a lot of opportunities to increase your knowledge and skills and abilities. And then you can demonstrate those accomplishments with a Produce Essentials certificate. So, Stephanie, who would you recommend take this program? I think it would be an asset to anybody. There's always something new for us to learn, especially for those uh, starting out in their career or in their mid-level career that might have always wanted to learn more in, a, in, a, in an area that they weren't exposed to. Produce Essentials gives them that chance to kind of get a, a whole picture. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you, Jason. All right. On this month's episode, we have a part one of a conversation with a group of social media managers who are involved in the produce industry. Social media is no longer a side of the desk project. It's usually embedded or sometimes the entire communication plan. This month, we're touching base with several CPMA member companies to discuss the changing landscape of social media, some different strategies that they're using at their own companies, and some best practices. This month's guests include Kathy Gomez from Marcon Cooperative, Heather Klein from Peak of the Market, Kara Batter from Nature Fresh Farms, and Yumiko Hayashi from Fresh Point, Vancouver. Here we go. So, Kara, we'll start with you. When you take a look at Nature Fresh channels, one of the things that is really striking is there's been a lot of investment in the production of, of videos. They're almost many movies and a lot of that has to do with just how the company operates day to day it really seems like a mission to be as transparent as possible to the consumer is that fair to say yeah absolutely transparency is one of the main pillars across nature fresh social media is really about providing value to consumers more and more the consumers are just eager to learn about how and where the food is grown And in all honesty, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. Um, For example, we had a couple days ago, a consumer reached out to us on Facebook. The consumer was outraged and they made it very, very evident um, how much they disagree with our business and was genetically modified and scientific. And it was a very unnatural way of growing. Um, But after spending some time conversing with the lady and explaining what greenhouse growing actually is, she then actually congratulated us for what we're doing and noted that she would look more into our company going forward. 
So, I mean, every consumer that we can show what we do benefits not only us, but the greenhouse industry and the fresh produce sector as a whole. By being transparent, we're opening our social media platforms up for conversation, and we're really allowing education to be the driving force there. So let's talk about that education aspect, because one of the things we know about Nature First is you have operations in both Leamington and Delta, Ohio, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, so is there a difference between the consumers that you're reaching in Canada and the ones that you're reaching in the U.S.? You know, we actually really notice very minimal differences across those two geographic audiences as a whole. Regardless of the country, people are really just wanting to join that conversation and really just wanting to understand more about the foods that they put into their body. So, Yumiko, when you look at the Fresh Point, um, at least the, the ones that are managed by your office, um, when you look at those social media channels, there's a lot of striking visuals, and that kind of helps it come across as being really genuine because it doesn't look like you're just using stock photography. Can you speak a bit about that choice and why you think it's important to the Freshpoint brand? And I'm wondering if you could also provide a couple thoughts on the audience and messaging that you're trying to reach. It seems like you're really trying to engage both the Freshpoint business customers and also consumers. Do really try to mix things up in regards to uh, imagery. Um, one of the main reasons we do that is because we want our page to look genuine and also sort of project that transparency that Kara was talking about. We are a corporate company, but we do not want to look corporate online. It's not the way we operate in-house. We have sort of like a family-owned mentality attitude uh, within the company. On the occasion, we, we will have to post a stock image if we're doing something more on an educational side. But yeah, as long as our message is genuine, and we do this because we're assuming that our audience is smart. I think our the online audience right now is, is very educated and when it comes to what's being posted out there. And if you look at our followers, I guess this kind of leads into your second part, part of your question is that we have a lot of foodies, um, award-winning chefs, bloggers, uh, consumers, retail stores um, as followers. And so it's a huge variety of people. As, as a marketer, we always talk about um, who our target audience is and stuff. But with the produce industry, we're kind of in a unique position in that, you know, regardless of whether you're young or old or um, poor or rich, <laughs> uh, you're affected by fruits and vegetables. So... Yes, as a distributor, we, we want to help our, our customers. And in this case, we're trying to help them succeed by helping the consumers that um, go and buy their products. So if we can get a mom who's following us to get excited about a new variety of grapes that's available, um, that's one more customer that goes into the store to buy a product. and Or even a, a chef of a restaurant, if they see something posted on our on our page that in regards to the market, then that can help him plan his menu. So as produce specialists, uh, quote-unquote produce specialists, we just want people to get excited about talking about produce. So the more conversation, the better is what you're saying. Exactly, yes. All right, and now it's time to take a quick break from the conversation to hear from our sponsor, Nature Fresh Farms. Hello, everyone. It's Ray here once again from Nature Fresh Farms. And with the new growing season now in full swing, there's lots of fresh news to share with our industry partners, retailers, and consumers. And one of the best ways to keep everyone up to date on our greenhouse affairs is through social media. 
Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn to see stories highlighting our new plants, recipe ideas, dedicated team members, and educational events. You can also check us out at naturefresh.ca to learn more on how we grow. And now back to the conversation. So Kathy from Markon, I think one of the things that I I have appreciated about Markon's uh, social media efforts are the communications that you've done with buyers. I'm talking specifically about the uh, Live from the Fields series. I think it's interesting because it provides education for consumers, but it's speaking directly to the, the customers of Markon. Can you maybe provide a little background into how the series came about and the process of getting your, your field inspectors schooled so that they can film these YouTube videos? Was there any resistance or pushback from them, or was it all in right from the get-go? We're cooperative, so we sell to our, our, our members, and we found that these YouTube videos were a unique opportunity where we were open to have a conversation directly with their customers, there's one thing to send out an update and let them know, um, you know, there's ice in the field. But it's so much different when one of our inspectors goes into the field with the camera and shows them exactly what the ice in the field looks like and how it's um, going to potentially affect that product when they receive it in the kitchen. Um, initially, when we started, it, you know, there was a learning curve. We had to figure out, okay, what were we going to use to make it easier for the inspectors, um, portable? So I remember initially we started out with a GoPro camera, and some of the takes ended up having this fishbowl effect on them, and it was just hilarious to go through these different takes until we finally realized, okay, we need something other than a GoPro that's handy and easy for them to download, so we used a different camera. And there was some resistance in the sense that, you know, it's hard to know just yourself to take a picture, do video, that sort of thing, and not have that control over it. But to know that it's going to go out to the public for everyone to see and be memorialized and been there forever. But they realized that this was an opportunity, sort of a niche for themselves as well, to show what they're doing, to show the impact of what Boots in the Field can really do. A lot of us have inspectors, I would say, in the produce, but... You know, our inspectors are kind of a defining pillar within our company, and it gave us an opportunity to showcase that, hey, when there's ice in the field and it's cold, our inspectors are out there. They're, you see the frost coming off of their breath. Um, it's raining. The crews are out there. Our inspectors are out there filming in the rain, muddy conditions. The floods, they're out there showing the floods. So really to let them know that, we're, we're out there uh, making sure that we can get the best product because we're out there confirming that they're meeting our specs in that box. So they, it was easy to kind of bring them on board and make them understand that. I think the videos have been a learning process for us along the way. I think initially we had started out, um, we did more of a conversation with maybe the buyers, um, making them knowledgeable, and as we progress, we look at incorporating and making them more operator-centric so that we could say, you know, yes, you know, there's some sun scald on this lettuce, but when we're speaking to the operator and keeping them in mind, we're saying, you see this lettuce head, you know, you take off the first couple of layers, you have a, you have a perfect head usable, and you've already removed that sun scald. So those are the conversations we're trying to have. And then this is also an opportunity in terms of misconceptions. 
um, like our previous car uh, I think it was Kara had spoke to. Um, I remember one time, I don't know if you guys recall, there was that whole thing on the internet where people were blogging and posting on social media that um, the remain had rubber on it because uh, it was peeling off. And, and it's just because they're not educated. It was actually epidermal pill. But they, you know, some of them have this fear of big farming. And we're thinking that there were the chemicals or this rubber layer, plastic layer we were putting on lettuce. So that gave us a real opportunity to have a conversation with them and let them know that, no, this is actually epidermal pill. And I, that was by far one of our highest visited videos just demonstrating, okay, no, what happens is, you know, the there's cold, cold weather, it creates this epidermal pill, and then the inspector actually went and showed them what that pill was and what happens to that product. And, and so I think even if we don't get many of the moments, if, even if we have a few, it's still an impact to the consumer because we're educating them. Because I think some, one of the preconceptions we might have is that, they're aware a lot more than they are, and, you know, just like gluten-free. We would think that they would know that inherently produce is gluten-free, but you'd be surprised they don't. And, you know, calling it out for them, yes, this is gluten-free, you think it's kind of a no-brainer they would know that, but it's not. So I think it's just getting beyond our own preconceptions of what they know and trying to educate them and make them a better consumer in terms of, not always um, buying into maybe what a, some of these stuff, the, some of the stuff that's going on on the internet, and actually making like an educated evaluation of what they're receiving. It's a good thing we're not on video because I'm sitting here shaking my head at <laughs> some of the some of the misconceptions. Exactly, <laughs> and this gives us the opportunity, and it engages them, and and it allows them also to ask questions on the YouTube website that we're, and we try to answer every single one that comes on because that is part of the education. So, so now Heather with Peak of the Market. Now, from my understanding, you came from outside the produce industry to manage the social media. So I'm wondering what your first impression of the industry was from a social media point of view and what were major differences you noticed between a produce company and some other companies that you work with? Well, I came in to peak of the market fairly early in their social media uh, beginning. And they had already developed a really big presence. Uh, you can't really be in Winnipeg without hearing about peak of the market. Um, but as far as the differences that we, we see, when you promote a car, you promote a very specific car. But when we promote vegetables, ultimately we just want you eating vegetables. Would we like you to pick peak of the market vegetables? Absolutely. But we're trying to promote healthy living and we're not necessarily brand specific. We just got through a massive potato campaign within Winnipeg. We had 35 restaurants, I think, involved in making potato restaurant meals and it was very, uh, it was very big across the city, but I don't think we mentioned peak of the market once. Ultimately, we wanted you eating potatoes. And I think that's a major difference that I have seen between the produce. We just 
I think all of us in the industry are promoting healthy living, choosing a healthy lifestyle. We're not promoting soda. It's awesome for me to be promoting something I'm passionate about. And it's awesome that it's something 100% of the world's population ingests. It's, it's for everyone. We don't just push to a small group or we don't have a small audience. We involve everyone we can, young and old. You really can't ask for more. So when you first came on board with Peak, you mentioned that they'd already established a presence, but you said it was fairly early. So was there anything when you came on board that you thought, you know, we have to refocus or reprioritize coming from an outside perspective? For sure. We um, have developed over the last number of years, uh, we really involve recipe bloggers. And we have a huge group from both Canada and the U.S. And we feel that that's one of the uh, main ways that we can get everyone thinking about vegetables is thinking about what they can do with vegetables. So we've taken a really strong focus on promoting outside bloggers and their recipes and ideas for vegetables on our site. So now let's move into the, the roundtable portion. What I'll do is I'll throw out the question and, and maybe I'll ask a person to start off. And then people can chime in as they want. I'll start with Kara. So, Kara, from what I understand, the social media person at a company is usually in one of three situations. So, uh, in-house dedicated person for social media, uh, an in-house person that may be doing other jobs as well, so a non-dedicated person or outsourced social media. In, in your opinion, are there? Do you think there's benefits and challenges to each model? And what strategy does a social media person? Uh, need to employ based on your particular situation? You know, I think there definitely are benefits and challenges to each model. At Nature Fresh, we actually have a combined effort. So we have non-dedicated people internally who manage social media, but we also have some outsourced material. So Nature Fresh is a very rapid moving business. Everything is changing by the moment. And so by having non-dedicated people managing the social media, it allows, if someone is at the farm who sees something interesting going on, that they can take a photo on their phone and they can send it on over and give us a scoop of what's going on. So it kind of goes back to allowing our marketing to be more real and more relatable, transparent. Um, but I do think that there's benefits for sure to all models. It just depends on your type of business. Yeah, I have to definitely agree with all those points. For us, I'm in-house, obviously, but I'm also, you know, I have different sides to my job as well. So it is sometimes difficult time-wise for me to be able to be active on social media all the time. Um, but the positive or the benefit side of that is that my desk is literally next to the door that goes into the warehouse. So I have access to touching and feeling the product or, you know, um, being able to snap photos of employees and all those kinds of things. There are definitely You know, just to kind of piggyback on that as well, we did have a non-dedicated, it was kind of, we're going to do social media, and and I thought there was a struggle to have that connection with our followers and subscribers, so 
we recently did go to an in-house person that's dedicated to social media and monitoring, and, and it's made a difference in terms of our engagement and being able to see the interactions and not have that delay, because it seemed like there was somewhat of a delay in order for us to respond. And so now that's changed and there's more of that interaction and conversation that you're missing when you have someone that's not dedicated to monitoring your social media. You can miss a conversation and then there's that lag and then you have a more corporate feel versus, you know, on your own social media where you're having a conversation with somebody, making a comment and they're commenting right back. You feel that same engagement when you have someone that that's their sole purpose to make sure that you have customer engagement and that you're promoting the company as well as for fresh fruit and produce. I definitely agree with Kathy that I am an outsourced person and it can be challenging to even understand sometimes what what is going on. However, we've kind of blended that with in-house people who do respond to a lot of the comments. It's kind of a team effort in that I can get pile of content out that nobody has time to do, and they can help me with uh, responding to questions on a timely basis. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, is that when you do have someone in-house, and even though they're not dedicated, you're um, able to add a post, you know, at the spur of a minute. Like, if the, I, I'll have an inspector out in the field, and they'll send this dramatic sunrise from Yuma. And um, we can instantly just post it and say, morning from Yuma, you know, and um, if you're working with the outside, you might not be able to do something as quickly, whereas we can do it right on the spot. So, Yumiko, let's talk a bit about different social media platforms. I mean, there's there's lots of different ones out there, but really the, the big four are Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, and LinkedIn. I, I guess Snapchat is really coming up, but is it safe to say that those are kind of the major ones that companies look to work with. And does the platform influence the messaging or does it all go back to company culture? For us, we all, we, we are on all four, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We're finding that different platforms are more, are geared towards different audiences. LinkedIn has been really helpful on the HR side. A lot of new hires come through finding us on LinkedIn. But then again, we've also found a lot of success finding people through Instagram as well, which is kind of interesting. I think the millennials or, you know, the the younger hires we've had have found us through Instagram and then have realized that we have a LinkedIn page and, and gone on there to research the company as well. So I think it's all kind of, it depends on the audience. The messaging... Again, it depends on the the message. Sometimes we post on all four. Sometimes we choose to just focus on on Instagram or or Twitter only. So yeah, I think I think there's like a a, a channel for for all four platforms. I agree. I I have found it really interesting that we have gone heavily to hiring through social media platforms as well. It's really effective and. Like you said, you, you know, you attract a different age group on a different platform, but you can, you can cover everyone. And, uh, it's, 
it's just a more effective way, it seems almost. Uh, LinkedIn is heavily involved in resumes and hiring, and it's just a really effective tool for us. What about the other ones as well? Do you, like Similar to what uh, Yumiko was saying, are you finding that potential employees are finding you through your other social media as well? Yeah, we put out hiring notices right across the board and and get pretty much equal responses everywhere. Uh, Kathy? Are you finding something similar in uh, the Salinas Valley? Yeah, actually, we tend to go more traditional. We do use the LinkedIn, and then we use our website, but we don't normally promote on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook about any potential new hiring. So our Instagram account, you know, that's more picture-focused. So we use that more as an opportunity. We do all of our recipe development in-house and, you know, plating is all in-house. So we use that as an opportunity to promote those, you know, gorgeous shots that we have as well as pictures of the product, inspectors, impromptu shots that they might have taken. We'll send those out. Um, and interesting, let's say we'll have a picture of a strawberry that, you know, it's almost shaped as a heart. You know, we'll send that out there just because it's new and different. But Facebook, Twitter, we tend to use postings that we can use across the two platforms because we do find that, you know, Facebook is more, um, I would say, an older crowd and um, Twitter tends to be towards the more younger generation and we don't want them to miss that content. So we try to make sure that we share the content, not in the same format, maybe um, change up how we introduce the uh, content on Twitter versus Facebook. But all of those platforms are really viable in getting the information out and interacting with our customers, the buyers, chefs out there. And and we don't really look at just things that are specific to our brand. We, like I would say most of the other um, panelists here, we're really into promoting and extolling the benefits of fresh produce because, like I believe um, Heather mentioned, we're promoting a product that is healthy that no matter what, you're going to get a lettuce. You know, whether you're rich or poor, you're going to get a head of lettuce. It's the same head of lettuce, just like Andy Warhol said. He loved Coke because whether you were a millionaire or you were someone on the street, a Coke is a Coke. And the same thing for produce. You're going to get a head of lettuce, and it's going to have the same benefits. It's going to have the nutrients, and, you know, there's no boundaries there. (laughs) Tara, I'll switch, switch over to you to get your comments on this, too. You mentioned we're promote, a lot of you are promoting produce in general. So how important is it to generate original content versus reposting or, uh, or repurposing other people's content? I think it's a mixture. I mean, you need to have your original content to showcase who you are and what you do and how you grow. But it's also important to showcase a variety of content that has already been established by reputable people. But I think it's a matter of, you know, just keeping your message consistent across your platform. While the message may differ in terms of delivery, you have to think about the average user across every channel. So, say Facebook's average user may be a 67-year-old woman, and Instagram may be a 35-year-old male, for example. Um, Just like in person, if you were talking to that person, you'd probably differ your, your delivery and your approach in having that conversation. So these types of people are going to react differently to different images and to different wording. But I think at the end of the day, it's important to keep that messaging consistent, but just the delivery is varying. Thank you for making me feel like a 67-year-old woman. (laughs) 
I'm in the same boat. <laughs> All right, and that's it. That's all that we have for you this month on Produce Talks. Remember, we want to hear from you. You can get a hold of us by emailing podcasts at cpma.ca. That's podcast at cpma.ca. For this episode, I want to thank Kathy, Heather, Kara, and Yumiko for taking part in our conversation. And you'll hear part two of the conversation on our next episode. I'd like to thank Stephanie for her thoughts on Produce Essentials and where she thinks it'll best help out industry. I'd like to thank Ray from Nature Fresh Farms, who is our sponsor. Thanks for the support. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, remember to seek out new knowledge, look for new ways to acquire skills, and to basically never stop growing.